All right, welcome to America This Week. I'm Matt Taibbi. And I'm Walter Kern. Walter, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well. I have a big announcement. I've been uh, working day and night with some partners, including the writer David Samuel, to uh, produce a new newspaper for the whole United States, a physical newspaper. It's called County Highway. It inverts the New Yorker uh, cartoon that maps America as this big blank space somewhere west of New York City. For us, the middle of the country or all the places, and the middle of the country starts at the Hudson River. Um, all those places are central, and the places that do all the broadcasting are peripheral. And uh, <laughs> so we've got stories on things like um, RFK. Yeah, can you can you show us? Yeah, yeah, here it is. Here, gotta show the banner first. The banner's amazing. Yeah, County Highway. Yep. Um, and uh, we have a story on the inside, uh, RFK talking about falconry, a hobby in which he is expert. We have a lot of stories. Um, it's our policy to have an animal attack story in every issue. That is a strong policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean. They're undercovered in this country. I, mm -hmm. I think it's a conspiracy to suppress the <laughs> news about our angry animal population. This is about a, a bobcat in Iowa that killed a Shih Tzu. Um, <laughs> depending on what kind of dog fancier you are, you may see that as cosmic justice. Did he do it on general principle or was it... Was it... <laughs> he... he in my mind, he picked the right breed, but in others, I'm sure mm. it was a tragedy. Was it provoked? Um, no, absolutely unprovoked. And this bobcat stalked this Iowa town. It would appear on people's fences, and it would scratch at their front doors trying to be let in. Um, it might have been an alien in bobcat form. Right. It's unclear. Uh, it's, uh, it's Jeff yeah. Bridges be before he turns into Starman, right? It, uh, or it, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. And the full the full weight of the Iowa animal enforcement organizations was brought to bear, but the bobcat escaped. It's presumed dead, but there's a good chance it is still at large. Um, and uh, we've got a story on the wheat harvest and a Native American in Oklahoma who has figured out almost alone how to grow wheat in drought conditions. Uh, We've got a story on uh, just about everything. A legendary con man. It's kind of a historical piece. Uh, uh, we've got a huge. Which one? Uh, well, what's his name? It's, uh, it's not Victor Lustig, is it? No, Titanic Thompson was his name. Oh, Titanic okay. Thompson. He said, in every bet, there is a fool and a thief, which is one of the truest things that's ever been said about betting. Um, <laughs> So we're not confining ourselves to the present. We do move a little into the past in order to understand the present. But uh, it's got as much content, this mag I mean, this newspaper, as any magazine out there. I mean, word for word, we may, as, we may be rivaling the New Yorker. I love it. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's an inverse of the, of the news formula on almost every level, but... It, it it is it's a it's a mind shattering blow to orthodoxy and uh, consensus thinking in America. I mean, there is many different voices on page one as you will find in five different magazines. We 
have made an editorial policy out of the fact that everybody gets to be themselves. Uh, there's no house style. Um, it's printed on real paper. It's not going to appear on the internet. It's not going to be shareable on the internet. Uh, you have to either buy it at one of our outlets or subscribe to it. Um, and it will lie around and accumulate far many more readers than there are subscribers because it's meant to last each issue. Wow. Yeah. E each issue is in some ways topical and some ways up to date, but in other ways perennial and hopefully evergreen. So it's, 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 it's been a big undertaking. It's designed by the best design house in New York city. It's printed in your home state of New Jersey on a real, nice. pr real printing press. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we're adding another physical object to the world and we're subtracting something from the internet. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I think it's, it's great, but you're not doing any of the layout design, any of that stuff, right? You're, you're going to be doing, um, I, I, I'm, I'm, you're writing. I'm the editor at large and I've mm -hmm. been the editor at large at the new Republic at other places. And what that usually means is that I don't live in New York city. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, so we left the design to experts. We recreated the look of a 19th century newspaper that Mark Twain might work for. Might right, work. I was going to say it has it very much has that look to it. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, it, it's, you know, nostalgia can be futuristic if it's done right. And uh, even though we hearken back to this old format, and we've got about three headlines for every story, you know, subheads what they call decks and so on. Uh, mm -hmm. The hope is to just sort of open up the American mind a little bit. It's been mm -hmm. uh, channeled and funneled and focused on very few issues, which, you know, we, we get from headquarters. But what we're trying to do is take in the grassroots energy of America, uh, widen the aperture of acceptable discourse, um, keep you abreast of animal attacks and uh, generally amuse, entertain, inform, and do something different. Even the format, though, uh, it, it presumes a change in in your habits. Like, in other words, sort of modern digital media yeah. is consumed as you're angrily walking down the street of a city with your head, you know, looking down in a right. way that gives you problems uh late later right uh, forces you to go to a doctor uh this presumes that you have time to sit down open a large broadsheet newspaper um maybe have a sandwich yeah uh and you know take things in actually think about what you're reading all those are great things i, I agree the thing i like about a newspaper too is that you see when you scan the page more than one story at a time so you get the benefits of collage. Uh, it, it, you get to see one headline out of the corner of your eye, another out of the other corner, um, and then the thing you're reading. If if you're laughing, uh, whoever's sitting next to you can take the newspaper and see what you're laughing at. It's not as private and uh, tunnel vision an experience as reading on your phone. Um, right. And, uh, and, and we've got a lot of young writers, a lot of people who, uh, you know, might be on Substack, might be other places, independent journalists from many 
different publications who get to do something often about their hometown, which Mm -hmm. isn't covered. I mean, I, I think the editor's letter explains that during COVID, a lot of people moved out of cities. A lot of people found themselves at least spending time in less populated, less central areas. And uh, by taking the news of all those places and stitching it together in a kind of quilt, I think you get a picture of the country that's at least as um, legitimate as those those media forms that come straight from the top of the Empire State Building and, uh, you know, the Hollywood sign. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Nope. So, so that's my wrap, and thanks for indulging me, Matt. I, I, I no, no, it's all. I think it's great. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to subscribe. And um, aspirationally, I, I hope to get back to a place where we're consuming the, the news in that fashion. Um, is the way we do it. I mean, I, I, I grew up reading newspapers sort of in leisure. I loved the feel of it. We used to get a boss. I used to get a Boston Globe every morning, and I even delivered the paper too. Uh, and so I would read the sports section. They had a great sports section at the Boston Globe. Um, and, but that, you know, the, the, all of the physical pleasures that go with reading a newspaper, I always thought were really important to the reading experience with, um, you know, how it feels. Is it a little bit like a little bit messy with the ink? I always, that was a good quality in, in like tabloid style, uh, independent papers. If right. you could. If it, if the blue in the village voice got off on your fingers a little bit, like I, I always thought that was cool, right? Um, so this is, but this is great because it 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 it, uh, it reorients what the center of the world is, um, and I think that 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 needs to happen because just for, for too many people, it's uh, you know it's this other mythical place that where everything is fictional and a lie, and that's that's that can't work. And I think especially, you know, launching on the eve of an election year, a presidential election year, uh, it's important to understand the the breadth of the country. Un- unfortunately, our knowledge of Iowa comes every four years and happens for just a, a month or two, you know, and, and it's a little patronizing. It's seen staged scenes from diners and so on. but. You know, we're not only covering Iowa, we're covering Arkansas. And when we're not covering Arkansas, mm-hmm. we're covering Utah. And when we're not covering Utah, we're covering those parts of New York that don't necessarily get covered by the New York Times. Um, when, mm. you, when you add it all up, we've got 98% of the country geographically uh, all to ourselves. And, and that's awesome. Yeah, especially in you, you can you can actually strategically leave out certain people too, which might also be a bonus of your coverage. What would be what would be that list? What would be the first couple of people on that list that we Nina ne- Jankowitz? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Never mentioned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't you can't say the words in the paper. That's like going to be one of the bylaws of the right. We, we we haven't yet advanced to the point where we have a style sheet. Uh, mm. it's all in our heads, but you know, there may be people, I mean, Puff Diddy, I'm not sure he'll be in there. <laughs> uh, we, like I say, we have a huge music, music section and, and I, I think, uh, about a third of the paper is devoted to music. The thing that brings us all together, allegedly. So mm. 
So mm-hmm. yeah, Puff will be in there. Um, rappers will be in there. We're going to even treat the suburbs of LA as though they were the middle of the country. So excellent. Yeah, excellent. Well, everybody, uh, everybody, go run, run out and, and subscribe. I think it's going to. Yeah. Uh, County Highway is going to be a big, big success. I can't wait for it. So thanks. Um, so what else? Uh, well, okay, a lot happened. I mean, I guess people are going to want to talk about the the hearings, the IRS whistleblower hearings involving Hunter Biden. Um, but you know, I at the end of last week, as you know, Walter, I was in Memphis, and um, I sort of got a piece of this story that uh, Schellenberger and his mates um, at Public. Uh, we're working on, which is the um, has to do with the private communications of the scientists who were working on the influential nature, uh, actually nature medicine paper called the Proximal Origins, a Proximal Origin of SARS-CoV-2, mm-hmm. which is the uh, story, basically the paper that um, everybody held up as proof that there was no lab leak. It has a, a you know a single line in there that says that it was improbable, and that mm-hmm. became the thing that fact checkers use. But there's this whole trove of communications involving the uh, primarily four scientists um, who worked on this paper, and it shows that they actually thought the exact opposite, and it it blows up probably half a dozen or maybe even a dozen major. Um, media myths about covid um and uh i don't know i i thought it was an amazing story because you know when you get down to it it it, essentially people like anthony fauci and some of the senior health officials and francis collins and some other folks they basically steered the entire public away from um uh, you know investigating the origins of a disaster that killed 7 million people to date. And, um, you know, I I think it's as big a media deception as, as we've had, but, uh, I don't know. Did you get a chance to see any of the, of the the discussion? Cause we can go through some of the funnier ones. I mean, they're they're amazing. I I think it, I think it bears a, a detailed inspection. Um, my overall impression was that, here were a group of people, let's not call them conspirators, uh, but a group of people at the top of the uh, public medicine uh, pyramid who had real concerns that COVID had originated in a lab and not only originated, but been created or somehow uh, fabricated, cultured, as it were, in a lab. and. They were doing all they could to make sure no one else thought that. Um, and, and, and the email that sort of jumped out at me in my first read was from, uh, what's her name, Kristen, Kirsten Anderson? Uh, his, his Christian Anderson. Christian yeah. Anderson, oh, excuse mm-hmm. me. Um, who sent an email saying, hey, check it out. I'm going to play this New York Times reporter. Um, and uh, I'm going to pretend that it's all in people's heads and it's cloak and dagger and uh 
ridiculous to think that we're lying to them. Now watch me lie. Um, and, and then re- and then reproduces the email he sent to uh, to the reporter, in which he quote uses humor to uh, allay the reporter's mm, concerns that he might be being misled. Um, so it was watch me do this here. I just did it. What do you think? And. Yeah, he, he even put an emoji on there, if I remember correctly, in that one. But I, I don't remember that part. But but what it spoke to was a mood inside their capsule, inside their little organization of uh, merry trickery. Uh, they were the merry pranksters playing one of the most deadly pranks uh, ever because deadly in the sense that um, though the though though I think you said on Twitter you don't care whether where covid came from and neither do I was it from the woods was it from a pangolin a bat uh some kind of raccoon or was it from this high tech laboratory operating in somewhat of coordinated fashion with American interests Mm -hmm. and uh, indeed we're finding out that that second uh, scenario is far 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 more likely but all of their advice was predicated on a kind of innocence that that wasn't true and had we known from the beginning that this was a cultured thing that it came from a lab that came from a lab in China I think our approach might have been different um, uh, in all sorts of ways. We'll never know, of course. Yeah, we'll ne- we'll never know. And to this day, I think it's it's going to be difficult to get people to take it seriously because in the in the time uh, since this happened, the press has successfully coded this entire idea as a right-wing fantasy. So no one's going to take it seriously, um, no matter how many times they see it. Um, even though when you look at the, what these, do- these uh, researchers were saying, I mean, it's unbelievable. So just, just to give people some flavor of what some of these quotes were, um, Anderson at one point is saying, the lab escape of this, the lab escape version of this is so friggin' likely because they were already doing this work, they meaning the Wuhan Institute. Um, at another point, he says, uh, you know, I'm all for gain-of-function research, but uh, to do it at BSL-3 is nuts. And he's talking about the biosafety level. Mm-hmm. In other words, he's saying the, pl- the place is, is too unsafe to do um, gain-of-function right. research. Remember, everybody thought we were crazy to talk about Gain of function research, and here are the, the the primary scientists who were held up as authorities talking about this. Um, another one here, Bob Gary, uh, who um, he says the major hangup I have is the poly uh, the polybasic cleavage site. Where we can get into this, but it, it's a unique sort of feature of the genetic sequence of the of this virus that has this thing called a furin cleavage site, which is just unusual. And appears in the in the virus in a way that they just couldn't figure out how it could have gotten there. 
Um, naturally, it also appears in a w- in exactly the way um, that a, uh, a researcher at, at the University of North Carolina d- described uh, or proposed doing in, in a um, proposal to DARPA like a year before. Um, so he also said it's it's not crackpot to suggest this could have happened given the gain of function research we know is happening. Uh, another one, Ian Lipkin says, um, our paper does not eliminate the possibility of inadvertent release following adaptation um, through selection in culture at the Institute in Wuhan. Given the scale of the bat COV research pursued there, we have a nightmare of cir- circumstantial evidence to assess. Another doctor says, says to him, I agree, seems to have been pre-adapted for human spread since the get-go. Uh, and, you know, it just goes on and on and on like this. And, and as you say, they, they were talking about how to deal with Don McNeil, the reporter at the New York Times, who, of course, you know, became famous, infamous um, for other reasons later, you know, in a, in a very dark episode. But he was actually, I think, uh, initially very supportive of the natural origin idea. Um, at least it, it appeared that he leaned in that direction. Mm-hmm. I think he was very trusting of people like Fauci. But he was doing his job as a reporter. You can see in his, um, in his emails that he's saying, hey, is there any way that this could have come from a lab? Um, yeah, I know that that cons- what conspiracy theorists are saying, but you know, is it possible? Is it possible this could have come from Wuhan? I, you know, I have an editor who's got a government source who's talking about that, and and um, they sort of the, the doctors pass this letter around, and you know, one of them says McNeil is very credible, but like any reporter, he can be misled, and they essentially non-answer him. I just don't know how this isn't a, a, a massive scandal uh, and why people aren't flipping out more about this. Uh, it, it's um, maybe they're exhausted. And then that's, that's the only thing I can think of. Well, I have a couple questions. How did they reach mm-hmm. this consensus? Is there any evidence in the communications about who, who set down the template for their um, information operation? I mean, did they all did they all reach the conclusion simultaneously and organically that they should play down the lab leak, or did they get orders, or did they get sort of uh, tacit orders, suggestions? This is a fascinating question. When we first looked at this, um, it looks initially like. They are leaning very strongly in the, dire- in the direction of um, at least seriously considering the, the lab escape thing at first in late January. Mm-hmm. Then there is a conference call that they have with health officials um, yeah, and people like uh, you know, Collins, Fauci, then the head of the Welcome Trust. I think Jeremy Farrer was on the call. This is the one where the head of the CDC was actively left out of the call mm-hmm. uh, and had to find out about it um, through a fo- when it was published after a FOIA request by BuzzFeed. So after that call, you can see them having a change of heart. But when I went back and look, looked a second time and a third time, I'm convinced that this is actually 
uh, sort of a textbook case of real doublethink, where they actually talk themselves into two simultaneous belief paths as time went on. They were initially rejected by uh, Nature magazine, and Nature told them that um, we're not sure whether this article of yours is going to um, help or hinder the conspiracy theorists. So basically telling them that you didn't do enough to close the door on lab leak. And Anderson angrily writes a letter back uh, saying, we considered it, but you know, we, we would love to be able to do that and say it came from a pangolin, but we just can't. The data doesn't let us. Um, but in the months, you know, in the weeks that, that follow, they rewrite the paper. They essentially whittle out um, all, everything that has to do with lab escape. One of the authors even says, I went back and I rejiggered it to take that out as a possibility. Um, and then you can see them in their minds sort of making fun of people who think it comes from a lab. Like they're t they start talking about the lab, lab origin conspiracy loons as they themselves are saying the same thing. It's I mean, it's no longer, it's not even something in the past. They're still saying it after they published the paper. So I, I, it's a fascinating thing because I think in their minds, they, they definitely had tremendous contempt for say Trump or Tom Cotton or and Fox news and even people on the left, they pick on Bernie too. in, in this, in this piece, well, what you, what you think of Trump isn't usually a part of science. Um, well, of course, yeah. Whether or yeah. not your conclusions fuel quote unquote conspiracy theories isn't usually a part of the, uh, you know, fact finding mission of uh, experimental scientists. Uh, so what we're getting is essentially what they accused others of a politicized vision of COVID. Um, one formed around the notion that the bad guys think this, uh, we need to at least pretend to think this, while in fact the people we're mocking hold beliefs similar to those we hold in private. Um, what, a, what a strange insight into the mind of the modern scientist. Uh, and how odd that they used COVID to sort of celebrate the prestige of science in general while subverting it completely behind the scenes. There's even a, um, in, in the moment where, um, where they're talking about how to answer McNeil, <laughs> there's this incredible moment where, um, I think it's Dr. Rambo. It's, it's uh, Andrew Rambo. I think he's, he's from the uh, University of Edinburgh. And what happens is so he passes on the letter from McNeil. And one of the other doctors, um, uh, I'm sorry, he, 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 he first he posts the letter from McNeil. Then he says, I'm thinking of just replying and saying, I see nothing in the genome that would make me believe it has been genetically manipulated in a lab. Uh, so he's sort of not, it's, it's sort of a non-denial denial, right? That's when Dr. Gary says, uh, Robert Gary says, um, McNeil is very credible, but like every reporter can be, can be misled. 
Um, but your answer is good basic science. Like he says that right afterwards, um, which is it's the exact opposite, right? I mean, this is they got it mixed up in their head. I think they genuinely got it mixed up in their heads that you know what science is and what um what the political considerations are uh which they talk about openly i mean anderson at one point says you know i hate it when politics enter science but in this case it's unavoidable um why was that though but what made it unavoidable i still don't understand <laughs> they they were under the impression that if the if there were to be an accusation that the chinese did this that it would cause, I don't know, uh, World War Three or something. There's one point where they're saying, destroy the world over, over genetic sequencing, uh, yay or nay. Like, they're, they're sort of joking about it. How many of them had guilty knowledge that the United States, in some ways, hmm, had had a relationship with the Wuhan lab? W was it really... Uh, anti-China uh, sentiment that they were afraid of, or were they afraid of uh, of bounce back or rebound anger at an American establishment that had, in some ways, collaborated with this lab at some points? So maybe. they, 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 yeah, they didn't appear to know a whole lot about the um, the American project that described this exact. Um, you know, procedure, mm -hmm. this, the, the fern, using the fern cleavage site, uh, that later came out, um, because of, uh, if you're hearing this message, you're listening to the free version of America this week to hear the full version, please subscribe at www.racket.news.